Hello, and welcome to What on Earth, the podcast of the Environmental Investigation Agency, or EIA. I'm Paul Newman, EIA's Senior Press and Communications Officer, and today we're going to be taking a look at the dangerous black market we've dubbed Europe's most chilling crime in a report of the same name. Joining me is climate campaigner Sophie Gagan to talk about the growing problem of the illegal trade in climate-damaging gases used widely in refrigerants and air conditioning. Sophie, welcome, and thanks for taking the time to share your thoughts with us today. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Now, our new report on the illegal trade in hydrofluorocarbon gases, or HFCs, came out only last week, and yet this week, Greek customers busted a shipment of more than 17 tonnes of HFCs being smuggled into the EU. Is this just a coincidence, um, or does it point to the largely unseen scale of the problem? Uh, Maybe a little bit of both. Um, The seizure is good news. Well, it's the good news of the bigger bad news, which is the continued illegal trade of HFCs into Europe. Um, This specific seizure was of 17 tons, so it's a huge seizure. It was over a thousand cylinders of gas. Um, It's the biggest seizure of 2021 so far. Uh, But as we know from kind of general illegal trade statistics, the seized amounts of normally just the tip of the iceberg of what is actually slipping past customs and onto the black market. Um, So I think a seizure of this size does show maybe the scale of the problem. Um, There have been positive trends in seizures in 2020. They're of the most highest number of member states reporting seizures. Um, It's the biggest total weight of seizures over the whole year. So the seized amount in 2020 was higher than it was in 2019, which was higher than it was in 2018, which could indicate better enforcement, which we hope is happening. But we've also seen the size of individual seizures increase in 2020. So where it was a couple cylinders at a time in 2018, we're now seeing a lot more of big seizures like this one of over 10 tons of HFCs, which we believe could indicate more kind of systematic illegal trade of large quantities, which would require kind of a more sophisticated, larger operation to carry that kind of uh, seizure out. Yeah. Oh, so I, I guess it's it's, it's a little um, like um, our colleagues in the wildlife when they when you, know, you talk about ivory tusks seized or tiger skin seized. Um, the, the assumption is that that's usually about 10% or less of the actual volume of trade in total. So technically, if if we're if there are greater and greater amounts being seized, as you say, that could mean better enforcement, but it also, I imagine, indicates the possibility and probably likelihood that the trade itself is growing. Yeah, in our latest report, um, we indicated that we believe that the illegal trade of HFCs could be about 20 to 30% of the legal trade, and just the seizures in 2020 were only about two percent of that figure so wow we're not seeing a huge amount of seizures based on what we believe the scale of illegal trade actually is um so it's hard to say it's hard to quantify exactly what the level of illegal trade trade is in europe at the moment by its nature it's 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 automatically opaque isn't it obviously it's under the radar and no one's really advertising how much they get away with smuggling each year No, that would be um, make our jobs much easier. <laughs> I don't know. Um, now, obviously, um, HFCs or hydrofluorocarbons aren't exactly something that m- most people are familiar with on a sort of a day-to-day basis. Um, just how dangerous are these gases in terms of the harm they do to the planet's climate? Um, yeah, obviously, we know a lot about HFCs, and we're sad that not everyone does because they are a huge part of the climate issue that isn't really being talked about. 
these are synthetic gases that are much more um, potent to the climate than other gases like CO2. We always talk about CO2 when we're talking about climate. Um, the way we measure the impact of these gases on the climate is with the global warming potential, the GWP. So the GWP of CO2 is one, and the GWP of these HFCs is in the hundreds to thousands. For example, HFC 404A is a very commonly used HFC, um, and the GWP of that is almost 4,000 over a 100-year period and almost um, over 6,000 over a 20-year period, which is more accurate to talk about that kind of timescale. These are short-lived climate pollutants. They don't hang around in the atmosphere very long, um, and they have a huge effect over a very small time, um, which is obviously bad for the climate, but it's also, it's you can put a positive spin on it because any action we take on HFCs and getting rid of them would have a fast impact on slowing down warming. So that's the kind of the good side of the coin. Is that, is that one of the reasons that um, HFCs are, are, are considered one of the low-hanging fruit in climate circles? Because they are relatively easy to take action to curb and at the same time they would have a very swift impact um, by phasing them down. Yeah, we're seeing that. So the impact of HFCs on the climate is, like I said, it's they're short-lived, it's fast-acting. Um, by getting rid of HFCs entirely or phasing them out, uh, phasing them down under the international regulation that's in place, the Kigali Amendment, we can avoid half a degree of warming by the end of the century. That's huge when you're talking about yeah. climate mitigation. Um, and the Kigali, well, the Montreal Protocol, which um, is what the Kigali Amendment falls under, um, is hailed as not only the most successful environmental treaty of all time, but the most successful international treaty of all time. This is phasing out these refrigerant gases is something we've done before with CFCs, with HCFCs. We're now phasing down HFCs. And we're seeing that this is something that a lot of people can get behind, industry, policymakers, governments, um, the public, other alternatives exist on the market. Um, so it is a case of kind of how quickly can we move on this rather than can this be done? We know that it can be done. It's been done before. Um, so it is, it's a huge, a huge climate gain can be kind of, can come about if we phase down HFCs quickly. We, we just need to get our skates on. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> now, um, obviously the illegal trade is, is a cause for concern. Um, it, how is it coming to being in such a relatively short space of time? I mean, I'm presuming that's something to do with the actual phase down of these chemicals in the first place. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so the illegal trade of HFCs is not wholly unexpected. I mean, this is EIA's kind of the reason we got into this field was with the phase out of CFCs, the predecessors of HFCs, which were damaging the ozone layer and so were phased out internationally under the Montreal Protocol. We then saw illegal trade in CFCs and we jumped in. We've stayed in this arena since then. So with the HFC uh, phase down, the EU actually moved earlier than the rest of the world. So the EU said about the um, EU F-gas regulation, and that's been in place since about 2014, the Kigali Amendment, which is the international HFC phase down, uh, didn't kind of come into being until 2019. So the EU is about five years ahead, which means that it's an interesting situation, I guess, and makes it easier to carry out this illegal trade 
because it's still very easy to buy HFCs outside of Europe at a kind of base normal price, read cheap, um, and then sell them for a lot more money, a huge amount of profit in the EU because under the EU FGAS regulation, there's a quota system. And so the amount of HFCs that can be placed on the market each year goes down. So the supply is shrinking, which has like bumped up the prices astronomically in 2018. The price rises were insane. And so this huge disparity in between prices in Europe with everywhere outside of Europe has made it a kind of rich ground for illegal trade. Yeah. So, so basically they've seen a gap in the market and they've moved in to try and fill that vacuum while the opportunity remains, I guess. Yeah, definitely. There's a lot of money to be made. And as we lay out in the report and as we've spoken about before um, in previous reports, the enforcement is difficult and it's not kind of doing what it's supposed to do. We need much stronger enforcement and we also need better penalties. So there's a lot of profit to be made. You're very unlikely to be caught. And if you are caught, the penalty is very small or kind of very small compared to the profits that you can make. So kind of seeing that people operating in this field are accepting those fines as kind of the cost of doing business, essentially. Basically, just an occupational hazard for them, I guess, isn't it? And one that doesn't really deter them, um, given that, as you say, the amount they make versus the amount they pay if they get caught. Um, there's no relationship between them at all. No, they definitely need to kind of, we need bigger penalties across the board, across all member states, for sure. Now, just for the, you know, the, the general person in the street, like myself, um, obviously the, there's the impact of these chemicals um, in a very negative way on, on the climate and efforts to mitigate climate change and global warming. Um, but I also gather that there are other dangers involved in illegally smuggling HFCs around Europe as well. I mean, one of the things that really jumped out at me in the report, um, you know, Europe's most chilling crime, was that one black market trader um, was on camera and saying that he basically transports um, cylinders of H HFCs brought in from outside the EU in the luggage compartments of passenger coaches. I mean, that, that can't sit at all well with health and safety concerns, can it? I mean, are these things an actual danger to the people who are traveling unwittingly above them? Yeah, that was quite a shocking revelation to us as well. Um, yeah, to transport HFCs, you need a specific license. It's got an ADR. You have to comply with the ADR regulation, which is the European kind of uh, carriage of dangerous goods, um, because these goods are classified as class two dangerous goods. They're gases that are they're pressurized gases, which means that if they are heated up they can explode. So if that passenger compartment, that luggage compartment on a passenger van gets too hot, or if someone lights a cigarette nearby because they don't know it's there, that could have hugely dangerous uh, kind of yeah. effects. So it's, it is shocking. To handle these gases, you need to be certified, you need to be trained. To transport these gases, you need to conform to the health and safety rules. That's why they're there. They're dangerous to carry around. You can't just be chucking them in a bus willy-nilly and so it is it is shocking that these gases are being transported and kind of putting these passengers at risk who have no idea what's going on and have no idea that they're there yeah as if in, in the current climate with you know the pandemic and all traveling by coach hasn't been dangerous enough <laughs> it just kind of makes it way worse um 
Now, where are all these illegal HFCs actually coming from? Who's actually making them? The majority of HFCs are manufactured in China and then shipped worldwide. Uh, based on our investigations and what we've seen in the trade data, um, we suspect that HFCs are being purchased from China and then shipped or transported to Turkey and Ukraine. And from there, they're being taken directly into Romania or through Bulgaria into Romania um, and then distributed onwards throughout many, many European member states. Or they're going directly from Turkey to France or to Belgium. These are some of the routes that we've heard about from our um, investigations and from what we're hearing on the street. Um, so the gases are brought into the EU either through front drawer smuggling, which is when a registered company imports more than they're allowed to, so above their quota. And the other side of the illegal trade is backdoor smuggling, where the shipment is concealed or not declared as HFCs. So you've got these two kind of main routes running at the same time. Now, uh, is China actually allowed to export HFCs? I, I, I presume they're allowed to export them to countries that haven't got a, pro a prohibition on them, um, and they go into those countries and then they're being smuggled to the EU. They're not actually being smuggled, if you, as it were, direct from China, sort of knowingly. Is that the case? Um, it's not illegal for China to be selling HFCs to places like Turkey or the Ukraine or even the EU, I don't believe. the they become illegal once they're placed on the market in the EU without quota or above quota or kind of circumventing that. So it's not China that's doing anything wrong here. Um, it is on the European importer. They're the ones who are breaking the law once they import that without the correct quota or registration and are then selling that onwards to other people in Europe, to so the end users in Europe. So China has recently um, stated that they'll ratify the Kigali Amendment, so they're on board with the international HFC phase-down, but for them and the group of countries that they um, fall within under the Kigali Amendment, their kind of regulation, their legislation won't come in for a, new, a few more years yet. So at the moment it is the illegal side of this is on the EU side of what's happening in that. Right. You talked about some of the routes they get in via, you know, from, from Turkey and the Ukraine, primarily into Romania, then out into the EU. What, what are the major countries they're actually destined for? Um, it's a huge range of them, actually. It's pretty much well, all of them, essentially. Um, again, it's difficult <laughs> to kind of quantify that and figure out the exact routes and the end destinations. Um, and that is because one of the kind of loopholes that is being exploited is this in-transit procedure where you can bring a shipment of goods into the EU and say, all right, but I'm going to ship it out of the EU. I'm going to ship it elsewhere. So don't worry about it. You don't have to declare it at customs. You don't have to say what it is. And we're seeing that shipments of HFCs are coming in under this transit procedure and are being rerouted all over the EU, kind of bouncing between member states to make it really difficult to follow up and follow that route backwards and see who's in charge and it's changing who's kind of importing, who's exporting, who the end user is, where the end user is and all of this stuff. So it's really, it's really complicated. Um, and so it is difficult to kind of pinpoint where these HFCs are ending up. Um, but some of the countries that we've heard about directly from our investigations were, like I said, Romania, We've got Spain, France, Italy, Belgium, Germany, even the UK, 
so they really are kind of going everywhere I don't know, why Romania specifically? Um, have we got any idea why that's become such a hotspot for the illegal trade? I mean, it's kind of, it appears to me to be the point where it all crosses over. Um, it, it, has your investigations given you any indication as to why that is? Yeah, so in our previous report, Doors Wide Open in 2019, we focused on Poland as the key kind of uh, leaky border, I guess. Um, and Poland was where we were being told that a lot of these HFCs were coming into. Since then, Poland stepped up their enforcement efforts massively. They undertook loads of seizures in 2018, 2019, um, and there were no seizures at all in Poland in 2020. And so we believe that kind of the players involved in this got savvy to the fact that it had suddenly become very difficult to illegally import HFCs into Poland, and they simply went elsewhere. They looked for a more porous border. And from what we've found, from what we've been told, from what we're seeing in the trade data, Romania seems to have been that porous border. Um, and that's what we found, like the scoping studies we undertook before the investigation was that everything was pointing towards Romania. So that's where we did our investigation, obviously. And they have a land border with Ukraine. Kind of, we were seeing the HFCs were coming from Turkey through um into Romania as well. There's corruption in with border guards on the Ukrainian border that we've been told about. So it is very much Poland became too difficult. Poland tightened up and so they just moved elsewhere. So it'll be interesting to see if and when Romania cracks down, where they move to next, where is the next easy into the European market. So what we're kind of, one of the things we're talking about is that the whole of Europe needs better enforcement. It's not about one country. It's not about Poland. It's not about Romania. It's that enforcement needs to be very strong across all member states to actually put a stop to the illegal trade of HFCs. Because once it's in the EU, it's in the EU. And they'll like, we've seen the trade move and it will probably continue to move. Yeah, I, I guess a bit like whack-a-mole. If you keep running around, kind of shutting one country down after the other, where that's got problems and porous borders and such, they'll always find somewhere else to ship the stuff in if it's not kind of um, collectively enforced across the entire block. Yeah, it needs a concerted effort where everybody kind of tightens up their enforcement at the same time to the same level. Okay. Now, finally, um, your investigations have given a pretty clear sense of the scale and nature of the problem of HFC um, illegal trade. Um, what, what do you and your colleagues specifically want to see done to address it? Um, yeah, the scale is big. Like I said, it could be 20 to 30% of the legal trade. That's a huge amount of emissions when you're looking at it. That's, um, it's, a, it's a big climate crime that nobody seems to be doing much about. And this could be jeopardizing the EU's overall climate goals. So we need a lot of action on this and we need action quickly. Luckily, the EU FGAS regulation, which is the legislation that is um, phasing down HFCs, is currently being reviewed. So we are heavily involved in ensuring that measures to stop illegal trade are taken on board in this review, amongst many other things that we're asking for. Um, <laughs> and I mean, the report contains the full list of recommendations. If you're into the heavier policy side of things. We've got a full page of recommendations for the European Commission and for member states and more general recommendations as well. But I mean, the bottom line is we need better enforcement across the board. We need more systems 
and support for customs officials, like a real-time licensing system. We need actual dissuasive penalties in all member states um, if you do get caught. We need to close the loopholes that are currently being exploited. And overall, we also need to reduce the demand for HFCs. And this can be done by accelerating the transition to natural refrigerant solutions, which exist in the market and they're great. And <laughs> so we need to kind of accelerate the transition away from HFCs through sectoral bans, um, incentives for natural refrigerants and other kind of many, many other measures that we document at length in other pieces of work that we've done. Um, but that's kind of the basics. Nice one. I, I guess conveniently as well, um, you, you and your colleagues produced only a few months ago um, a, 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 if you like, a, an ethical cooling guide so that people could um, see for themselves what what machinery was available that didn't use HFCs or climate harming gases. Yeah, we did the pathway to zero product list um, and that, yeah, it really showcases just how many options there are available on the markets, especially in the EU. EU market, which is far ahead in a lot of applications. So better solutions exist, they're energy efficient, they don't use climate damaging refrigerants, and they're there to buy, to install. So go and buy them now if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, Sophie, thank you very much for joining us today. It's been a, a genuine pleasure to chat to you. Um, now, if you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, please watch this space for future episodes, and do check out our website at aia-international.org to find out more about our work. And thank you for joining us today, and wherever you are, stay safe out there. <laughs>